Well, good morning, everybody. How are we? Is this a, like a, an amazing stretch of April sunshine or what? Unreal. So, hey, I'm going to do my best to channel my inner Jen this morning. Um, and it won't be that hard because my thoughts are kind of all over the place. I love you, babe. So Jen is in Haiti right now. Uh, she left in the middle of the week. She's down there with Cameron. And get this, she's helping him move into his own apartment. Yeah. So after two years of living with Pastor Joshua, um, Cam's decided I, I want to take a bigger step into independence and adulthood. He's got a, a friend that he's made down there who runs a translation school uh, where they teach translators how to, you know, speak English at a very high level because they're translating usually for doctors or medical teams or missionaries. And so Cam trains people, you know, mostly 18 to 40 years old. And that's kind of become his young adult community, which is really cool. But the guy who runs the school invited Cameron to move in with him. And um, this guy is 25 years old and married. And so Cameron's living with a young married couple. And Jen's down there to transition him in and go into his room and put some little mommy touches in there, you know. <laughs> little hearts on the wall and all that stuff. Um, so we're super excited about that step for him, and, and this is a cool trip for Jen. And then also for her to spend some time with Joshua talking about partnerships with Brookview and what they're doing down there, what would be next steps, possible team trips, and all of that stuff. So I love you guys. I hope you're watching, and I hope uh, your stream is, is working, it's working good down there. Uh, I miss you, babe. I love you. This bachelor time is so hard. I don't know what to do with myself. Um, the reality, uh, I had a woman in our church a couple years ago, Jen was in Haiti, she's like, do I need to bring a casserole? I'm like, that's so sweet. I, I can feed myself. Um, but also, I have Brooklyn. And uh, so, just a side note, we, we've been ordering HelloFresh. Has anyone else ever done HelloFresh? So they bring it in a box, basically dinners that are all, but you have to cook the whole thing. It's raw meat and the whole thing. And Brooklyn is, she's a culinary artist. So we had like uh, some kind of meatballs this week with uh, apricot glaze and, uh, and French couscous, which by the way, I don't prefer as much as the Israeli couscous. I've become kind of a couscous snob uh, with roasted carrots and Brooklyn made that this week and she's just cooking it up. So it's been, it's been a good week. In addition to that, if you were here for Easter last week, we talked about well, we're going to be doing baptisms in a few weeks. And we were on our drive uh, from church up to visit Jen's family in Ferndale last week. And Brooklyn said, hey, I think that the next step for me is to be baptized. So let's go. Right? So I'm super excited about that. We have Ashley Gray, Trevor's sister. We have Brooklyn and whoever else signs up. And I'll get to that in a minute. But what I will say is this week it's been cool because we have daddy-daughter time, and um, so we typically watch movies, but we decided to watch some of the most inspiring spiritual movies that we ha have, and last night, I, I'm not kidding about this, Brooklyn, by the way, is a 14-year-old who is um, one of the most sensitive souls, right? If you know her, she is a sensitive soul, but when it comes to watching movies, she is not sensitive at all. Her, her favorite movie, no kidding, her favorite movie of all time is Saving Private Ryan, Oh, yeah. So we've been talking about it for a long time, and uh, last night, she, she was like, Dad, it's time. It's, I'm being baptized. Let's do this. And we watched The Passion of the Christ last night. So I'm in here thinking about you're worthy of it all this morning, and that was just absolutely 
breathtaking. Um, man, you guys, we, we, are we blessed with a lot of musicians in this church? It's crazy, the, the giftedness in this small group. Um, all right, we have announcements. See, I'm killing. I'm, this is very gen-like. We actually have other announcements that pertain to you. Um, the first one is that we have spring quarter of life groups starting up this week. Um, and, and if you're not in a group and you would like to be, we have in-person groups and we have online groups. So if you're more comfortable online, I happen to lead the ones that are online right now. So, I mean, you can't really get a better leader. And, uh, and the in-person groups are fine, you know, or whatever. Um, but if you're interested in a group here, this, the, they will run through April and May um, and then kind of take a break for the summer. But this is a great time to jump into one of those if you're not in one. Um, for this next series, so next week, Casey's preaching today, and I'm super excited to just sit back and take it in. And then next week, Casey and I are going to start a series called Rhythms, Rhythm of Life, where we're thinking about the reality that a year ago, our lives just sort of shut down and all of our rhythms were, were kind of put on pause and on hold. And now we're in this spot where the world is starting to pick up steam again. And it would be really good to think about, do we want to go back to our same pre-COVID routines and rhythms for living? Or might it be a good idea to think through making some changes and coming out of this? If we can restructure our life kind of in any way that, that makes sense, let's think about what makes the most sense together. And so what's going to be really cool is we're going to do five weeks on that. And then all of our, all of our life groups are going to talk through that together, process that more personally, more deeply as far as what does this look like for me? Because this is not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. It really depends on you and your life. But let's think about some important principles. So we're starting that next week. I'm super excited about that. But I'm even more excited about the groups processing that together and kind of each person sort of coming up with a plan for how do I want to transition out of COVID back into sort of a normal life in a way that's really healthy and helps me be most invested in the things that I, that I value the most. And so... Super excited about that. So if, if you're not in a life group and you want to be, let me know and we'll find one that is a good fit for you. Uh, next slide is baptisms. All right. So last week uh, I mentioned that we would be doing May 16th. We're, we're thinking because of the people being baptized, we may actually do it the week before that on May 9th. Here's the deal. If the next step for you, if, you, if you're in a spot where you say, you wanna, I, I want to say to Jesus, I'm in. And I want to proclaim that in a public way. And you haven't done that. Whether you've been following Jesus for a while or this is even new for you, but you realize that's the step, please let us know. And you can let us know by texting uh, baptism to that, to that number, 425-406-3660. If, you, if you're interested right now, you can take your phone out and, and text that number. Um, we want to know. And by the way, um, if either the 9th or the 16th doesn't work, don't go, well, then I'm not going to let you know because I... I'm going to be, you know, in Italy wine tasting for those two weeks, and so I'm not going to be here. So I, if you want to be baptized, let us know, because then we can, we can figure out a different date or something that will, that will work for you. All right. Uh, next slide. Right. Cedar Way. So we've got donations we're collecting in the foyer. If you want to drop those off in the middle of the week and we're not here, we check that almost daily, and you can just put them, if you think about where the stage is right now, there's a door to the side. Right outside that door is a little ramp, and you can leave stuff there. We check that again daily so that um, it, nothing happens to it, and produce and stuff gets refrigerated and all of that. But we've got Cedarway coming up. Um, you guys, I was thinking this week, through COVID, 
It is unreal how many Brookview individual people or families have donated to Cedar Way or Vision House. Our, you, our church's ability, the way, what you guys are doing to bless people in need in our community and what you have done over the last year is unbelievable. It really is. It's a big deal. So if you're, if you're interested in getting the list to know, okay, what, what needs to be donated, um, just text. You can either text Vision um, or you can text Cedar Way. Cedar Way is the elementary school we, that we partner with, and they identify families in need, and once a month have them come through and get essentially free groceries. And many of you donate those groceries to them, and so thankful for that. And then Vision House is the um, housing for families that are homeless, um, and they provide housing for up to two years, and then they wrap around them to help them figure out how to not be homeless anymore. And then they graduate them from their program, and it's like 95% or something like that of people that graduate from their program five years later still are not homeless. They do an amazing job. So our, we, we partner with them to provide items that they need as well. And um, it is really, really a cool thing. Here's what I'll say. I, I really don't believe that every church ought to have their own like homeless ministry or food pantry or feeding, you know, feeding. If you can part, if we can all partner together with somebody in the community that's already doing it and is dialed into that, it's just so much more effective. And we have great community partners in this with Vision House, Nourishing Network, Cedar Way. So, um, all right. All right. Hey, we'd love to hear from you. If you're, if you're interested, um, you can let us know about wanting to be baptized or Cedar Way or Vision House also by filling out your communication card. But also, you can let us know anything else that's going on. Like, you, you could say, hey, the guy that gave announcements this week, he is smoking hot. So, I mean, that's, that just, that's one thing. And then uh, you could also let us know if, um, if you have prayer requests. We have a team of people that pray for those. Let us know if you have things you want prayer for. Uh, or anything else you need, this is the way. This is the way that you connect with us in this season is to fill out your online communication card. So you just go to brickviewchurch.com, and then just click on uh, contact, and it'll take you to to this card. Um, is that it, Brooklyn? I have one more. Oh, RSVP for church. <laughs> yeah, heck yeah, RSVP for church. <laughs> Enough said. Yeah, you guys get it. You guys get it. Uh, and by the way, if, if you're watching online and you're, you're in a spot where you're very much still not comfortable coming to church, we love you. You're still a part of this community. We love you. And someday when you're ready, we want you to do that. For now, you're very much a part of everything that we're doing, and we're so thankful for you guys. And I'm so thankful for the technology that allows us to do this. Can you imagine if COVID would have hit 15 years ago? I mean, oh my goodness. What would that have done to to so many different arenas of life. Um, very, very fortunate that we have the technology that we do. All right. Is that truly it, Brooklyn? Yep. All right. Uh, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this morning and a place, this place to be together or online together and just um, here to meet with you. And this morning, God, I pray that you would speak through Casey. I pray that our hearts would be open, our minds would be open, that you would speak to us in a personal way that reaches us. I pray that you would expand our vision of who you are or remind us of things that we once knew that maybe we've forgotten a little bit. And I pray that you'd fill our hearts with passion and vision for, for how to live this week and going forward. Um, God, I pray that you would speak powerfully through Casey. I pray that you'd anoint him with your Holy Spirit and that you would make us receptive 
to whatever it is you have for us. We need to hear from you. Whether we had a great week this last week or we're really walking in here with stuff we're dealing with, God, we need to hear from you. So speak. Your servants are listening. Amen. Well, we're going that way. All right. You guys ready? Ready for some fun this morning? Well, today I want to expand on an idea that I spoke about last time I was up here, and that was like over a month ago. So seeing as though I don't fully remember everything, I don't don't expect you to. Um, But um, a little hint, we talked about thoughts. We talked about the power of thought. Now, I'm a visual person, um, and so I, I brought a visual aid this morning. So you guys ready? Here we go. Oh. Oh, and you're like, oh, those are Reese's? Oh, yeah, those are Reese's. <laughs> Come on, guys. Oh, gosh, we're 0 for 3. All right, I'm going. Oh, we got one. There we are. All right. All right. A little bit of fun. Just like you caught that candy, one of you out of three, I think... That's how thoughts work. I catch a thought, whether good or bad. Let me ask you this. Have you ever caught an attitude? Can a few nods. You got any, anybody like just on your phone, like their name comes up? And it's like, yep. We all have them. But can you catch faith? Can you catch fear? Can you catch an idea? Can you catch a dream? Can you catch a vision? Can you catch a word from God? Now, I'm demonstrating that physically, but I want to demonstrate it scripturally. And for that, we're going to go to Numbers chapter 13. And I want to look at a passage of scripture that has really helped me throughout the years when I'm caught between two thoughts. And one thought says you should and you can, and the other thought says you can't, don't even try. This passage, like I said, it's, it's often kind of helped my perspective. And anyone who's, who's familiar with Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. Anyone remember that old Sunday school song? Yeah. In this passage, the children of Abraham are coming into the land that God has promised them. Now, they have the opportunity to receive the gift but they get focused on the giants that oppose them over the gift that God is trying to give them. And this, I think, happens to us all the time. Happens all the time. And so um, one of the things that we see in Numbers um, chapter 13, verse 30, is that there is always a thought that God will give you to deliver you. And there is also always a thought that the enemy will bring to destroy you and to distract you. And we see both of those right here in Numbers 13. And Moses, so he, he sends out 12 spies to go ahead, to, to check out the land, to see um, what, what, what's ahead of them. And we're going to pick up in verse 30. And this is when the 12 spies have come back from exploring the land, and, and they're giving the report of what they saw to everyone. And it says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take, the, take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people 
They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the, the, the Nephilim living there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our, own, in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Stop. There was no conversation between the giants and the spies about who was bigger. They, 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 they didn't hear this. This is what they thought. This is how they perceived the situation. The nation, they never saw the promised land. They relied on the report of the spies to tell them what, what, what was ahead and, and what they could expect to find. And it wasn't because they saw something, it was because they heard something. And what they heard was a result of what the spies thought. So when I see in the scriptures that they, they spread among the Israelites a bad report, and that report kept the Israelites from going into the promise that God had given them, I realized that I can be stopped not by the giants in my life, but actually by my thoughts. And, and the, the thoughts, like, they made something bigger than what it was. And that's what actually stopped them. The whole nation, the entire nation caught a thought and it made their faith weaker. And God, he, he, he'd given them the land. Like, the land was theirs to take. Because the enemy can't take anything that, the, that God has already given you. He can't take it. However, if he can attack your faith and weaken your immune, immune, immune system, like I said, I'm a visual person, I have to think of faith kind of as like an immune system that's supposed to filter out all the, the little microscopic germs, you know, the, the seeds of, of discontent that will keep you from walking into what God has called you into, right? Although he can't take it away from you, he can get to your faith, that part of you that, that believes God. And it can cause, it, cause you to, to disrupt, you know, by what, by what you're seeing and, and maybe what you're hearing. The enemy can't take it from you, so he wants to, to move you from a place of believing that God loves you and has called you and has set you apart and has, has called you to something bigger. And the problem for me is that I experience both of these thoughts, both voices simultaneously at the same time. I got Caleb telling me, this is one thought, you should, you can, go for it. And I have 10 other spies. You ever notice how there's always more like reasons why you shouldn't than why you should? You ever felt like outnumbered in your thought life? I got 10 spies who are, who are telling me you can't do it. And, and the number one rule of being a spy is what? Don't get caught. Thought you guys would jump in on that, no? Okay. <laughs> It's the number one rule of being a spy. Don't get caught. Sneak in. Don't let them see you. And Moses, that's what he told them. Don't let anyone see you while you're there. But then they got caught. But they didn't get caught by their enemies. They got caught by their insecurities. They got caught by their thought. And the thought was, we're not big enough. We're not strong enough. We don't have what it takes. They're bigger than we are. And so now all of a sudden, they are dominated but not by their enemies, by their thoughts. And maybe, maybe that's you this morning. You've been wrestling between two thoughts. One thought is telling, is God, he, he gave you everything that you need to raise that child. And the other thought 
is saying, no, 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 you're actually the one who screwed them up. One thought is telling you it's all right. God can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Another thought is telling you it's too late. You got into this too late. Now nothing good can actually happen to you. It's just, just, just kind of write it off, right? That's the other thought. One hand, I can see the promise and the size of my God. And on the other hand, I have the thought, well, how can God use a puny little person like me from, from Mount Lake Terrace? You know, like even up here, I'm caught between two thoughts. You know, she looks like she's never heard a better sermon in her life. She's also my wife. And that's why I look at her when I preach. Someone else might be counting down the minutes until this is over and Jason is back up here next week. Right? Seriously. But here's the thing. I can't let that thought win. Right? But that's how it happens. It's that quick. Like, have you ever been having, like, a good day, and then you just find yourself in a mood, and you're like, three minutes ago, I was happy. What happened? And so I started, like, thinking about it, like, what? How does this happen? And, and sometimes it, it just happens when I'm, like, scrolling social media. And so I'm scrolling, and I see them on vacation, but I know that they're in debt. So, so I, I, I catch a thought of judgment. Why should they be on vacation if they're in debt? And, and now 10 minutes later, my emotions have caught up to my thought, my thought of judgment about somebody that I have nothing to do with, that's not a part of my responsibilities, and now I'm caught in, in this thought of offense, and, and I've reaped this attitude of frustration over nothing. And here's what happens, you become a victim of your judgment. It affects you, not them. And I realized that the thought that I hold on to, the thought that I grab, like, you, you, can, you can catch a wave, right? You can catch a football for the winning game. I didn't know you could catch a thought. I didn't know that. I've been learning that. I talked about it a little bit last time. It's just been compounding. So that's why I'm talking about it again. <laughs> and then I trace sometimes the weakness of my faith, and I ask the question, where did that thought come from? Because it's important where it comes from because where it comes from determines where it leads to. Now, what do I mean by where, 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 do the th- where does the thought come from? So when I say that uh, I, I, got, I got a thought from God or God said to me, God, he, he doesn't speak to me out loud. That's the issue. Um, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I like to believe it sounds like Morgan Freeman. Um, <laughs> it's just me. So... It, it can just be a little confusing sometimes when you say, oh, I, I, God told me, or I, I heard from God. When Peter said Jesus spoke to me, it was literal. Like Jesus was a person, um, you know, Peter, he was out fishing one night. He couldn't catch anything. He was frustrated. Jesus said, let down your net in the deep for a catch. And I'm sure Peter's first thought was like, bro, I'm a carpenter. You're a carpenter, I'm a fisherman, like stay in your lane, bro. All right, I'll, I'll do me, you do you. But it says, because you say so, I will let down my nets. And he let down his nets and caught a great number of fish. And, and this is what God has been showing me over and over throughout the whole scripture. Before he caught a fish, what did he catch? You already know what I'm going to say. Before he caught a fish, he caught a thought. He caught a thought every time. But the issue with this is I don't hear God out loud like that. I kind of hear him, you know, in, in thought. 
And like Jason, he, he kind of spoke about this a little bit last week. He said when, when he was becoming a Christian and, and that whole process, he kept having thoughts or promptings like, you know, maybe I should go check out church. Maybe I should continue going to my buddy's Bible study. Maybe I should, you know, get a little more involved. Like that's kind of how it happens. It's just a thought. And as you start to get more of you kind of, you get, you know, recognized to it. Um, but this is how it happens. Um, and for me, th- this wouldn't really be a, a huge issue if he was the only one who spoke to me in my thoughts. But there's this other joker. They call him the devil. And he does the same thing. That's how he gets to me. The devil, I don't see, he's not some like guy who got a, a, a cheap, you know, costume at Target that has horns and a cape and a pitchfork. Like, that's not how I see him. He comes to me through thought. And that is, there's just two, two voices on the same device, and I'm caught between the thought. One is telling me, your greatest years are ahead of you. One is telling me, you've already done all the good things you're going to do, so just hang it up, man, and write it out. One is telling me, go for it. Speak it. Do it. Step into it. Believe for it. And the other one's telling me, don't, don't go too far out there. If you get too far out there, you'll, you'll get embarrassed. And so we have Caleb, you can. And the other spy is saying, you can't. And I'm caught between the two. Now, I'll be honest, and here's some transparency. This week, as I was preparing this message, isn't this just like the devil? You're not on staff anymore. They think you failed. You let them down. They don't want to hear from you. And I have God saying, no, 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 I gave this to you. Use it. You're where you're meant to be. And the enemy is saying, no, no, you failed. Quit while you're ahead. No one wants it. And that's his go-to move, isn't it? You're not enough. You ever notice that? And I thought it was just kind of people who didn't have confidence who dealt with that. But then I realized professional athletes have that thought. And they're the people who society's worships, right? And they have that same thought, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. And, and when I think I'm not enough, even the disciples, before the miracle where Jesus fed the 5,000, they said, there's not enough food. We need to send them home. How many times have I sent away God when he had something for me because I thought I'm not enough? How many times? Like, I, I was so close to saying to Jason, hey, man, once I'm off staff, I don't know if I want to keep speaking. It's not what I wanted. I wanted to continue to speak. But that thought was telling me I'm not enough. And I failed and, and I'm not the right person. Like the Israelites, they wandered around the desert over and over, all around for 40 years. Not because of their enemy, but because of their thought. That's how powerful it is. And then, even sometimes when like things are good, I have this thought. And it goes something like, it won't last, right? Or, or they'll, they'll just lead you too. You can't count on them. And then you sabotage the gift because you're not securing it. And even though it's happening right now, you don't believe that it's real. Like, these are my thoughts. I don't know where they come from. <laughs> like, I had a good mom. I had a good dad. You know, they weren't perfect, but things were good. And I wish I could just kind of trace it back to one traumatic event because I think that would be easier. Like, I'm, I'm not enough. Where does that come from? 
I'm not sure where it comes from, but I know where it leads to. And it doesn't lead to the things of God. It doesn't lead me into the fruits of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Quite the opposite, actually. And even Paul had to deal with this. It wasn't just like Moses was the bad leader. Even Paul had to fight against opposing voices and and opposing um, um, systems that tried to undermine the goodness of God and the gospel, even at the churches that he started. So let's take the church at Corinth as an example. He would write letters to them. We know them, of course, as 1 and 2 Corinthians. And what would happen is that they would be led astray. But the word that he likes to use in 2 Corinthians is deceived. He would say, I fear that you're being deceived by the power of suggestion. And then he uses the example like Eve was deceived by the serpent. He said, God said to Eve, you can eat from any tree in the garden. And then she caught a thought from a snake. She allowed something that was beneath her to speak to her. And she caught a thought. Now, I've never had a snake slither up to me and talk to me. I wish it did. I think that'd be a lot easier. You know, I could chop the head off of it right there. But instead, it's a thought. And I have to live with it. And I have to deal with it. And the serpent said to Eve, did, did God really say? Do you see what he did? He introduces doubt into the possibility and into the potential of faith, causing her to focus on what's not available rather than what is available. And Paul said, I'm afraid that you will be deceived because there's spies in the church at Corinth and they're leading the Christians astray and they're doing this by the power of thought and they're introducing a thought to the church that you need something other than Jesus, other than, other than Christ to justify you. And he says, I fear that you've been led astray from your pure devotion to Christ. And I love that word, pure. That's the right word. That's, that's an important word right here, pure. It's that uncontaminated place that we get to occasionally where we just we feel like, oh, my God's got me. He's got me, and I'm going to be all right. You ever just felt that? You really, you, you, you have no reason to feel like you don't have the facts to back it up. You can't put it on a chart, but you just know, like just right here, like he's got me. And what happens is the enemy deceives you. See, he can't take what God gave you. You know that, right? You need to know that. He can't take what God gave you, but if he can make you and get you to catch a thought that opposes what he's saying, he he can make you so weak and get you to a place where you will not walk into it. Kind of like how I almost did not walk on this stage today. And this is what Paul said to the church. Um, In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, He said, the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, I love that verbiage. What's a stronghold? In military terms, it's a place you go to seek refuge. Or it's a place where you you set up a battle where the enemy can't get you. And on the contrary, though, it can be a place where the enemy entraps you and surrounds you. And so he says what can happen in a physical battle can also happen mentally 
and spiritually and emotionally to any one of us at any time. So the thought that, that I can, sorry, <laughs> there's this thought that I can experience God. If I can catch a thought of Jesus, it just takes one thought of Jesus to pull you through any wave of worry, right? Just one thought of Jesus, and he can pull me right out of the pit, out of what I'm dealing with. But a stronghold in that same situation can also ensnare you and give you the thought, I'm not enough, and make you wonder, like, what, what are they thinking about, thinking about me right now, you know, at work or something? Like, th- th- this isn't going to end well. I'm not who they think I am, all that kind of stuff. For Paul, these spies were, were spreading a lie. They're saying, no, he's an imposter. He's actually not a real one. And they're introducing this thought to rob the people from the blessing that was happening. And this is what I love. The Bible refers to the devil as a thief, as a thief. He can't take your promise. So now he wants to take your thoughts and he wants to steal your hope and he wants to steal your happiness. But we came into the service today to catch a thief, right? And let him, no, 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 give me back my joy. Give me back my peace. Give me back my wisdom. Give me back the joy of, of my salvation. Because I caught a thought. And I realized, no, he loves me. And if he loves me, nothing else matters. And that's what Caleb said. He said, no, 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 we can. We should. We can take the land. We will. He will. We can do it. You can't, you can't keep the thoughts from coming. They will come. But look what Paul says. He says, we demolish the strongholds. And how do we demolish it? How do we destroy it? Verse 5 says, we demolish every spy, kind of paraphrasing here, every spy that says we can't, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So when I have a thought that opposes what I know about God, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? We can't keep the thought from coming, but he says we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So how do we do that? How do we take captive every thought? So one of the passages that I think best explains how we do this, um, it's a very well-known quoted verse but I don't always think it gets as much thought as it deserves. And it's in Romans 12, chapter 2. It says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Paul says in, in, in 2 Corinthians 10, he says, We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And then he says in Romans 12, Do not conform. Uh, conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Both passages talk about combating the enemy and, and the ways of this world, and they are both about the mind. And here's why I say I don't think Romans 12, 2 gets like the amount of thought it deserves. Like we say it, like, oh yeah, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like, yeah, duh. But, but we say it, but do we believe it? And do we practice it? How powerful is the mind in combating the thoughts of the enemy and the ways of this world? It doesn't say, renew your spirit. 
it doesn't say renew your heart, which I would, you know, it's kind of like a heart thing, like, no, like, stand strong, like, yeah, you can do it. It doesn't say renew your body. It says renew your mind. Your mind is where the battle is waged. See, your spirit, your heart, they, they, they know. That knows, like, where its home is, and that's in Christ. But, but your mind, that's where you can be deceived. That's where you can lose ground. That's where you can stumble. And that's why Paul kind of stresses we must take captive every thought that opposes Christ. We must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I don't know if you caught it, but it says the renewing. It's not a, it's not a one-time thing. It's not like, a, hey, I, my, mind was renew- my, my, my mind was renewed, so I'm good, you know? It's the renewing of your mind. It's constant. It's active. It's alive. It's, it's daily, making the choice to, 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 make, to take captive those thoughts. I will renew my mind because that's where the battle for my thoughts are being waged. If the Lord is your stronghold, if he is your place where you hide, and maybe by now you're starting to recall what we talked about last time I was up here, um, but if you haven't, I'm going I'm to briefly touch on it again because I think it's that important. I think it's that strong of a lesson and example for us. There was a woman who was bleeding on the inside. Remember, you guys are like, yeah, okay, I remember. <laughs> and she heard Jesus was coming through her part of the town. And she had done everything she could to fix this issue, you know, by the, the symptoms that she was having, and nothing worked. The condition she had was a deep one, and she was hemorrhaging on the inside and, and losing blood, just like many of us are hemorrhaging emotionally and losing energy and, and losing hope. And when she heard Jesus passing through, her desperation, um, it caused her to do something dramatic, something crazy, because she had gotten a second opinion and a third opinion and a fourth opinion, and nothing worked. But here comes healing, and here comes hope. And the Bible says she did everything she could to push through the crowd, to, to grab a hold, and to catch Jesus as he was passing by to heal someone else. And he's moving fast, and the disciples are doing crowd control, you know. I can see Peter out there. Don't touch him. But she reaches out, it says in verse 37, and touched his cloak. She caught him. She caught his cloak. She caught what could heal her. She caught a miracle. And then it says in verse 38, because she thought. Because she thought. Before I caught the answer, I caught a thought. Before I caught forgiveness, I caught a thought. Before I caught bitterness, I caught a thought. Before I thought about coming to church, before I came, I had a thought. Before I forgave that person or didn't forgive that person, I had a thought. But if I can just touch him, he can make me well. In the band, I'm going to invite you guys up at this time as I kind of close things out. You've been holding on to thoughts of low self-esteem, maybe low self-worth. But right now in this moment, if you catch a thought, the woman was made well 
because she touched his cloak. And she touched his cloak because she had a thought. And there is a great opportunity to experience love and joy and peace and happiness, all those things I talked about earlier, the fruits of the Spirit. Do you believe that there is a great call and assignment on your life that people need great potential? And Caleb's ahead of you saying, you should do it. We can go do it. Come on, let's go. And there are 10 other spies that are saying, you can't. I don't care if you're outnumbered 10 to 2. And I think it feels that way sometimes, maybe at work with our friends in our daily life. But if we will follow Caleb into Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey, where the fruit is good, you can experience the joy of the Lord. Love that. If you can just catch a thought, catch a thought. I caught a thought and it lifted me from my despair. I caught a thought and it lifted me from my addiction. I caught a thought of Jesus and he took my shame. And so now I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to worship. A thought. Because the victory belongs to the Lord, not to the enemy. He's already won. He is my stronghold. If he can just be your stronghold, the strength of my life, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And other, we're going to sing a song that talks about the victory and the victory belonging to the Lord. And if you can just catch the victory, like lift your sails, catch that victory. Man. Reach out. Reach out like the woman and touch him. That's all it takes. So guys, I'm going to let you guys take over here and uh, just let, let God speak. That thought, that place, we are like, okay, he's got me. Here we go.